Bing party people what is happening welcome to another edition of talking during movies the podcast where we play a movie on mute and sometimes we talk about it sometimes we don't but it's always a fun conversation there's always good laughs and more importantly i always have great guests and joining me today she's been on before she is a a voice of consistency and conviction and love of animals and and understanding and embracing your fellow man or woman or however you label yourself but party people it is my pleasure once again to have with me, chatting it up, the often copied, never duplicated, Deb O'Keefe. Deb, how are you? Hi, good afternoon. I'm so happy to be here. I'm just sad we're not doing it in our dive bar together. I know. However, so dive bar got bought by someone, <gasps> so it went out of business, but then it got bought by a gentleman who owns quite a few bars in town. He's leaving it basically the same. And uh, another guy who uh, works for Dive is a fan of the podcast. And he got them to agree to, uh, to bring the, uh, keep the podcast there. Oh, that's amazing. That's so nice. And what about our folks that work there, our friendly bar, bar keeps? You know, I've reached out to Matt. I haven't heard anything back from him. You know, I know he had some other things brewing with the Dive Bar investors that they wanted to try. I'm going to try to reach out to him again, uh, you know, probably later this week or next and just see how he's doing and what's going on. I feel like this last year has just been, I mean, obviously tragic for a lot of people, trying for a lot of other people, normal for so many other people, but then I've lost touch with so many people too. And, you know, maybe people that I would see regularly, but didn't have contact information and now I you know I'm sitting here a year after the pandemic started thinking what are they doing where are they are they okay have they lost any family members and I actually I don't know why but I've always been a real unfan if that's a word of LinkedIn but I signed up yesterday because I was looking for a lady I used to work for no not work for work with uh, at my last employer and she got fired like loads of people in the last year. And um, I just would email her at work or I'd pop into the office once a week and go and say hi. And I really missed a lot of those people like that, that I knew from work, but you know, we didn't have any of the same social circles, but I just loved them in a work capacity and felt very um, like the job that they did, they worked hard for us sort of in admin positions. And anytime I had a dumb question about, you know, a 401k or whatever it might be, 
they were always there and just lovely and um and now I, I can't find them but I did I found one yesterday on LinkedIn and I was like all right fine LinkedIn you've got me finally because I would get these invitations all the time and I would just delete the email because I thought I'm not in business I don't need this community but I joined yesterday so there you are I'm on LinkedIn if you want to find me just look for my name that's where I am that's where she is and where else can people find you uh, at, basically, it's at Deb O'Keefe on everything. It's Deb O'Keefe on LinkedIn, at Deb O'Keefe on Twitter, at Deb O'Keefe on Instagram. I got very lucky because apparently there are some other Deb O'Keefe's out there. Like one is some amazing, she's either an infectious disease doctor or like a wildlife botanist. There's this one really smart Deborah O'Keefe and that's not me. Uh, I'm the one that probably has an animal in the picture or looks slightly disheveled or something. But um yeah, you can find me everywhere. I'm on Facebook, but it's private because I've got younger nieces and nephews on there. So I don't really, I don't message with people on, uh, I don't allow people on Facebook that I don't know. And it's just really because I have um, family members on there that are in the UK, but you can find me everywhere else. Slide into my DMs. I'm willing. I, I will like take it. your slide. I like it. One thing you brought up and before we jump into the movie you picked and everything else, I want to bring this up uh, because we're on the topic. A year ago when the pandemic first kicked off, I put out a message, uh, I think it was on Facebook, and I got slaughtered. And the message was, I understand what we're doing. However, when the time comes, there's going to be a heavy toll to pay. And that toll is very simple. We have stopped the world for this disease, for, the, for this infection, for this flu, for this virus. We've stopped it, and that's okay. However, we are going to have to, at some point, apologize, rectify, and address that we never stop the world for people with mental health issues. We never stop the world for abuse victims. We never stop the world for autoimmune deficiency diseases that cripple and kill people. And we never stop the world to get healthy. We never did. So, and then I asked the question, I go, so it begs the question, what makes this special? What makes it more special than those? And I thought the answer intrinsically in me was, it's not that it's special or more special, that it kills more people or less people. If all lives matter, it is that it has been uh, leveraged and there's nothing wrong with that if it's saving lives, but let's just be honest with where we're at. And so I question, um, and I ask you as, as, as someone who um, has gone to the doctor a lot, who has, you know, you have asthma, right? Uh, I've immune disease too. And so you, you live in a world where you eat a healthy diet, you work out, but you also live the pains and pressures of reality of who Deb O'Keefe is at home when you're by yourself. And I wonder in watching the world respond as it did to COVID-19, does it give you hope or does it disappoint you that in all the other friends you have, I mean, I've had friends kill themselves, of all the other people in your lives that have passed away through other issues that we didn't stop, that we don't address, that we just move on because it's the brain or, oh, well, it's just breathing. It's just, it's just, it's just allergies and breathing, Deb, geez. How does it make you feel? I think we, as humanity, we pick our poisons. We pick uh, our causes. And it's, it's, it's sad to say, I don't want to trivialize it, but it's almost like fashion. 
it's like what's in this season you know what's what's the the hip cause or length of genes or who are we going to look out for and just this is very strange that to bring this up because it's not new but the the um Woody Allen Mia Farrow documentary mm-hmm. I started watching it a couple of weeks ago and then I think I just got excited about something else that came out but I, I haven't finished it I'm, I'm on on uh, uh, episode four and to watch that unfold through decades and what Dylan Farrow went through because I firmly believe she was correct Woody Allen motherfucking piece of shit he married never, never liked anything about him he I think, ugh, Hayden saying it, Dylan was seven and he took her to a nook in an attic when Mia Farrow had like left to run errands and there were nannies and people involved and there were multiple kids there, other families. And he snuck her up into this little attic nook, instructed her to lay down on her tummy and play with a train set. And I, I, I think by the sounds of everything, he digitally inserted himself into her anus and maybe even her vagina as well. I think her vagina as well. I don't think he penetrated her with his penis because I think as a seven-year-old, she would have just been very physically, oh, hang on a sec. There's an ambulance going by. My dogs like to join in. So it's gonna be something. I like it. Let's get them going. What Brady? Folks, if you follow her on Instagram, you'll catch the You guys did it. Into, because Deb also has um, Good job. a heart for Good animals job. and uh, rescues. Oh, I, I have a small farm. I'm sure they'll all at some point make themselves heard. Uh, that was Brady. Good job. I always congratulate her because she's helping the ambulances get by. That's right. Um, anyhow, back to the Woody Allen thing, Dylan Farrow. Oh, if I could hug you, I would. Um, she was disbelieved. Her mom always believed her. Um, Woody Allen denied it. His popularity really helped like one sort of investigation just be like, nah, he didn't do it. And then one investigator in, uh, Connecticut, which is where it happened, said everything points to the fact that he did it but Dylan Farrow is seven and she had had been interviewed by some psychologists independently and her story was the same every time as a seven-year-old she didn't embellish laid on my tummy played with the train set he touched me here I didn't like it mm-hmm. and uh and so finally this prosecutor or in the DA's office whatever in this town in Connecticut said had a little meeting with her. There was like a, a female state trooper that was there to make Dylan feel comfortable. They had toys and they just played for a while. And then he asked her about it. And he said, she clammed up. And he said, in that moment, he thought, how can I put a seven-year-old through a trial? If she clams up, she's, they're going to say, oh, she made it up before. So he'd made the choice not to um, prosecute Woody Allen. Although the whole time said, I believe he did it, but I'm not going to put Dylan through that. And so that kind of got washed away because it was the 90s and people were worrying about i don't know fucking bill clinton or something i don't know i wasn't here. worried about they were in the 90s let's see we were worried about blowjobs very very big very problematic the blowjob right. 
Right. Uh, we were worried about um, Rush Limbaugh. Was he still overdosing on Oxycontin at that time with his? Well, why didn't it? Why didn't he succeed? Stop being a loser. Listen, I'm not about suicide, but Rush Limbaugh, you have been a blight on this planet. And sorry, no R.I.P. for you. I hope you don't R.I.P. You know, you know, it's interesting uh, on that topic real quick, because I challenge Christians a lot with this. You know, they'll be like, I hope that guy burns in hell. I was like, mm -hmm. you know, in the Bible, Jesus wants everyone to go to heaven, including that person. They're yeah. like, well, I'm like, no, no. And, and people get mad. I'll get emails. Not all Southerners are Christian, bro. So there's your quote. Okay. There's just the dumb bro. Not all Southerners. But it's just more fun because I've seen some snake handlers. And guess what? There's not a snake handler that don't have this kind of voice. All right, they don't exist. Okay. Snake farm, just sound nasty. Snake farm, pretty it's much. So nasty. But you're saying so Dylan Farrow and this, I mean, and I, and I get so what you're saying. Got washed away. And then, so her brother, Ronan, uh, I think he went to law school as a lawyer, journalist, civil rights activist. Uh, I'm pretty sure everyone knows Ronan Farrow. But in this documentary, he sort of told her, he, he admitted, he said, shut up, don't talk about this. Uh, it's not going to be good for anyone. And then I want to say it was like sometime, maybe 2014 or something, Woody Allen got like a Lifetime Achievement Award and all these women were going, women actors and actors were going up saying, oh, he's brilliant. And Ronan Farrow sent a tweet that just said, have we forgotten that he sexually abused a seven-year-old? And in that moment, uh, Dylan Farrow sort of realized, you know what, I'm going to have a voice. And she wrote this huge... Um, essay and it was uh forwarded to i think the new york times and it was uh, posted as an op-ed and people started to stand up actors and actresses that had worked with woody allen said i believe dylan farrow but this was like in 2014 when and then again when me too started happening it was brought up again and so it's like i said it's like cyclical it's it's fashion it's fads it's what's cool to support do you remember coney uh God, was it Coney 2009 or something? It was this one white guy had gone to Africa and I forget the country, sorry for my ignorance, and yes. had found this like dictator who was like beheading children and it was fucking awful. But he came back to the States and he got like these little red, um, like almost like Kabbalah bracelets with a thing and you buy this pack and you have street signs and car stickers and it's like Coney 2019, whatever it was like years ago. And um, that was the thing, that was the thing, you know, we're gonna say down with this guy. And um, I'm not discounting any of them because yes, every time one of these fucking injustices in the world comes up, we should support it, but we shouldn't forget them either. And I think with 2020, last year was actually a huge year for people who suffer with mental health any like on the spectrum there's a like with everything there's a huge spectrum are you just mildly depressed or you want to kill yourself uh are you bipolar are you not getting the help and support that you need but then we have to look at marginalized communities that have never been supported with healthcare or mental health care and the awful things that happened last year with george floyd and brianna taylor um i just say let all these things come out and, and let's not forget them. Let's keep working for them. Keep saying, this is not just a fad to realize that black women die in childbirth or with you know pregnancy related illnesses because the 
hate the white patriarchy, the medical society of this world says you're exaggerating. Like really? These women die at exponential rates compared to white women or other women of color. And a lot of these things are coming out this year, uh, come out last year. And I say, good, don't forget them. They all deserve, they're all prominent. There are huge issues. There are huge inequities in this country, in the world. I don't know if you follow much UK news. Mm -hmm. Obviously, well, for some new listeners, maybe they didn't know, but I'm English. Like, it's not a West Texas accent. And I, and, I, and I get this a lot. I, I was uh, talking to a buddy of mine that you're going to be on. Mm -hmm. And uh, he said this, and, and I agree. He goes, the British accent on a woman is absolutely sexy. He goes, but, but. He goes, here's the thing, Jay. He goes, and this is weird to say. Go, what? He goes, Deb's prettier than her accent. Oh, that's interesting to hear, but okay. Yeah, Fine. you know, because it's like, it's like Australian men for, for American women. You know, they like seeing that, they hear that, then they're like, wow, that is, you know, he's instantly just more attractive because of it. And then there are some legitimately attractive people and they just happen to have an accent. Oh, what? So it was a compliment, I think? It was very much a compliment. He goes, oh. because if you just heard Deb's voice, you would just, you just assume sexy and, 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 and you're like, wow, that's awesome. And then you see her and you're like, oh no, she's actually, a, she's just, she's, she's beautiful without the voice. She's her. Well, so. you know what I'll say about that? Thank you, but uh, I guess I'm glad my parents had sex and <laughs> both kind of hotties in their day. And uh, they, here I am. There you are. And I can't help the way I talk. So I all of that it. is incidental, but thank you, friend. Um, in England recently, well, with Black Lives Matter, it was actually really prominent in England as well. There was a lot of um, uh, protests and marches. And uh, although, Great Britain didn't go through, we didn't have slavery in Great Britain. What I've actually learned since last year is that, I mean, I knew the white British male coming over to America and, you know, we got the slaves from Africa and like, yes, we were very inherent with that, but I didn't realize like how deep it was and how, I don't know if you remember the image of that top, that, that huge statue being toppled into the wharf in Bristol, mm -hmm. this, this slave trader. But like up until now, we never knew that we had these prominent white male um, businessmen slash politicians slash just probably rich from parents' money men that were, were slave traffickers. Um, and we have a lot of ties to uh, the Caribbean, obviously. Uh, and like I have family members that are from Jamaica and um, the Caribbean and Barbados and such, mostly Jamaica in my family. Um, and I didn't know about, oh shit, what was the name of that ship? This, mm, forget the name of it. What a dumb, dumb head. But relatives of mine came over from Jamaica on this ship. It was Great Britain said, hey, you're British citizens. Come on over here. After the war, we need help in um, healthcare, in transportation. And so a lot of uh, British Jamaican, black Jamaican citizens came over and they were working their asses off, but they were treated like fucking shit. Hmm. And I hear stories about this from my sister-in-law. Her parents came over on this ship. God damn it, I'll look at, why don't you, will you Google it? Sure, what do you want to Google? While I'm to, it's a, a, like a, a Jamaican ship, Great Britain. Ooh. 
it's very famous wind wind something i think wind something was the name of it and they're called like this wind something generation you'll find it in a sec as you google but my um sister-in-law we're all very close my sister-in-law is married to my brother james she's actually a very famous singer in great britain you should look her up beverly knight she's fantismo um, but her mum trained as a nurse, or she was already a nurse in Jamaica, and so served for the NHS for her entire career. The Empire um, Windrush? Windrush. Wind, it's called the Windrush Generation. While you're there, just like have a little peek. I know you can read and listen at the same time. Mm -hmm. Listeners, too, look it up. This Windrush Generation is, is fascinating. And so my sister-in-law's dad, I think he, I want to say he was a bus driver for years and years and years. And that's what all of this Windrush generation did. They came in and they filled in the gaps in jobs where, that we had lost a lot of men in, um, in the war, in World War II. But they were treated like shit uh, as second-class citizens, even though they were British. So a lot of that is coming up now as well. And so, uh, again, it's like, is this just fashionable to recognize the Windrush generation? No, I think it's now become part of education and... Uh, same as Black Lives Matter and George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, but being shot while, uh, being black while sleeping. You know, it's like, what the shit is going to happen next? So I think this last year, as well as the um, mental health aspect, and I listen to a lot of British media uh, as well as over here, and I don't think it's as prevalent as here, but I hear so much. I listen to British radio, British news, as well as, you know, I consume it all here. Mm -hmm. um but it really is it's like check on your friends listen we're gonna have an hour of music on this radio program that's gonna like feel good music you're having a bad day tweet us we'll give you a shout out and it's wonderful it's like so all-encompassing and all of this programming that's happening happening in the uk um and i think there's a little bit of that here but not as much there's still so much stigma with mental health there's still so much well and this is what a lot of girlfriends and I are talking about recently, a lot of men, when they talk about their ex-girlfriends, oh, she's crazy. I have a friend of mine who was almost killed. Her ex, her boyfriend that she'd just broken up with, she was moving her stuff out. She thought he was out of town. Um, I'll say his name, Toby Eaton. He lives in Austin, Texas. He went to Anderson High School and I, I've known him for 20 years. I didn't know he dated this girl I met at the gym recently. She was not the first person he tried to kill. Oh. Third. Well, one before her, then another one. He paid someone to wipe all this information off the internet. It's all out there. Um, but, but the mental health aspect of that, as to like her, she didn't say a thing. This happened like two or three years ago. And she never went on Facebook, never said anything. And I, one of my best friends, one of my first friends that I met in Austin, we met at the nail salon the other day. And we're just getting our nails done and hanging out. And I knew she went to the same high school. And I said, hey, did you hear about Toby and what he did to his ex-girlfriend? She goes, no, but I heard she was crazy. I almost pulled my hair out and ran out of the salon. I've known this girl I'm intimate with her family. Our mums love each other. And I just said, but you've never met her. This is his narrative. He's gone out and he said, she's crazy. And that's such a dangerous term. And 
it's very much given from men to women as an excuse for maybe something they did. And honestly, sometimes women do act crazy. And oftentimes it's because men drive us crazy. <laughs> Manipulation, not, not just like, oh, I want to kill you. You never pick your socks up. The, the microaggressions and the manipulation and... And she said for years, like he pulled away from her friends and didn't, you know, was very controlling and protective and then just basically smashed her head in. Oh. Uh, she had to have 22 stitches in her skull. But he's going around telling everyone she's crazy. Is that yeah, okay? Yeah, it's yeah, not it's okay. And I say for women out there, this is really great. Same girl who got her head caved in said to me, she's not really dating right now. She's like, I can't even wrap my head around how many people lie and the stories they tell and the things they're hiding about being married or whatever but she went on a date and she's having dinner and the guys you know they're talking about ex-late he goes oh my ex-girlfriend's fucking crazy oh you gotta go she, she literally got up and left i love it and i was like fuck yeah girl women we need to support each other and say when a man says a man says that well, what happened? Like, I, I don't, you know, as a, I always joke, I'm a journalist, but I read something. I don't believe it. I don't suck it in. That's not the truth. I will go and find three or four things and see if I can back it up and I'll go through some wormholes. And the sadness is we have to do that with relationships in life right now. But, but being called crazy is so dangerous. It's so cruel. And it is always perpetuated mostly toward women. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, you know the term hysteria, right? Oh, yeah, you know? yes, because because yeah. you guys got the parts. No, no, but it, but but, the, the, but that was it. That was like yeah. back in the eighteen hundreds or early nineteen hundreds. If a woman was sad or unhappy or crying or angry at someone, oh, you're hysterical because we have you know uh, female parts, and they would uh, they would say, well, she needs a hysterectomy to yep. get rid of the craziness, and it's like what this is just hormones and also it's how you treat us you're gonna lock us up and shave our head because we're depressed or we have anxiety anyway not going on a man hate rate no 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 and, and I, I, I get what you're saying and, think and about I, the words that you use when you say someone's crazy or you got mental problems we're all on a spectrum and it's very dangerous and now i'm glad that this year and last year i think there's a lot of people under, trying to understand mental health and crises and just sadness and loneliness and just being away from people it's so hard it's so hard for everyone that i really want to talk to you about but before we do that we're gonna take a left-hand turn what movie are we gonna talk over and why did you pick it so oh my god it was probably the summer of my 11th or 12th year on planet earth. And we had a video rental card. And in the summer, my mum used to let us, and the videos we could rent for a week. My mum used to let my brother and I, I have two brothers, but my older brother is three or four years older. So he was off like banging girls and shit. But my little brother and I were just 13 months apart. Uh, often mistaken for twins. If this was a video podcast, I'd show you pictures of him. Uh, basically, I think all my friends banged him. He's <laughs> apparently very attractive if you like that type of thing. Um, but we would alternate week by week. Uh, and he was all about 
fighting movies, Action Jackson, uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Steven Seagal, Chuck Norris, I've fucking seen them all. I could do everything. And I did to karate when I was little too. So I found that fun. But then also, so I was like, well, I, I was in dance and drama. I went to dance and drama school and I was just obsessed with dancing and music. And um, so I don't know how I stumbled across it. In the video shop, there's Sarah Jessica Parker and uh, uh, I want to call her Lynn Stone because that's her name in the film. Helen Hunt, Oscar winner. Mm-hmm. and this amazing film called Girls Just Want to Have Fun, which is just about the love of dancing. And it's got a great soundtrack. Great soundtrack. Captain Lou Albano was in the video for Cindy Lauper's Girls Just Want to Have Fun when she was entering into the foray of world wrestling when it was at Wait, its peak. I don't know who, what, who, what? Cindy Lauper, who did Girl the no, I know Cindy Lauper, you said another girl's name. Captain Lou Albano was a wrestle, well, he was a wrestling manager. He had uh, holes in his cheeks where he had rubber bands in them. Ah. It was very weird. And he was in the Girls Just Want to Have Fun video. Fun fact. Fun fact. <laughs> All right, hit play. Let's hit play. Boom. I hope we are. Uh, I'm still on. It says New World Pictures. So. <gasps> wait, wait. Okay, mine is. I've got to put the. I, let's just see what happens. By the way, first scene, new girl at the school. Yep. Oh my God. Okay. I don't know where to begin. I just don't know where to begin. I don't know where to begin. Just... So this is Sarah Jessica Parker before Sex in the City. And- there, Oh, there's Helen Hunt, who was- Look at her, she's so trained. I loved Mad About You, that was a great show. I love Sarah Jessica, Jessica Parker, you know. Uh, she's, she is one of the people that I like uh, because everyone made fun of her nose and she kept it. She yeah. embraced herself. She had self-confidence, which I'm sure at times was extremely hard. And look what she accomplished. I wasn't here, obviously, uh, in the 80s or 90s. And so I didn't see a lot of that stuff. But I just always looked at her as, oh, this character. And um, and so her, her name is Janie, which when I was a kid, I was like, if I have kids, I'm going to call her Janie. And I'm like, what? no. No, number one, you don't want kids. Number two, Janie, no. But her friend, as you can see at this point, Lynn Stone is um, kind of the rebel. Mm-hmm. I mean, definitely the rebel. And I honestly would dream about having this friend that we could go to dance auditions with. And I did go to dance auditions, but I never had that special friend to go with. <laughs> Oh, and at the oh. end of this scene, this first scene, she's she's introducing herself and she's about to say what I love to do most. I love to dance. I love to dance. And then Lynn Stone looks at her and you're like, they're going to be best friends. They're going to rock. It's, oh. So, uh, I mean, I, I find, I, I, I watched this movie as a kid. I absolutely loved it. I had so much Thank fun. You. I really did. I mean, so I'm saying, you know, I'm older than you, but video store rental generation still. Uh, I would ride my bike down. My parents would just be like, oh, he's sleeping. And I remember I took my daughter to Montana recently and I showed her where I used to live. And the drive down was the same way towards our hotel. So we're driving down and I go, dad used to ride his bike here. She goes, dad, this is a highway. You don't ride your bike <laughs> on a highway. And I was like, no, parents who care about their kids don't let them ride on a highway. <laughs> My parents were so fucking sick of feeding me. They was like, if he comes back, he can eat. But if he gets run over, that's okay too. Saves us some bread and milk for the week. 
yeah, it was just, it was nuts. And so, you know, I'd ride my bike down, I'd go to the, uh, the Flathead video store. Uh, and I remember the gal, she would save the uh, wrestling videos for me, but sometimes they weren't there. She'd hide them for me. Sometimes they weren't oh. available. Um, I wasn't allowed to watch the karate movies because I was too hyper. And <laughs> I'd watch, like I watched Breakin', Breakin' Electric Boogaloo. Oh my God, Electric Boogaloo too. One of our favorites. One That's of the jams, jammy jams all times. And so I got, I got into those. And I remember I tried break dancing and I was, I'm, I had no rhythm. I'm a horrible <laughs> dancer. And it didn't, you know, it was, plus it was like, you know, an old white dude teaching me break dancing in Whitefish, Montana. Like, it's not the best scenario to learn break dancing. That's for sure. You're from Whitefish, Montana? I'm from Helena, Montana, Townsend, Montana. But uh, I grew up, some of my formative years were spent in the northwest corner of Montana. Yes, you're like a, a purebred mountain man. Yeah, it's hilarious when the snow happened. I was like, we do this, do this, do this. Don't worry about this. The house isn't insulated for this. It's built like this. And you've got all these other people freaking out. And I'm just like, dude, it's fine. Just fill your bathtub full of snow. I'm like, what? And, I, and also, I got, I got uh, blocked on Twitter for 24 hours. Why? What did you say? So when you're, um, when you're boiling snow for water, it's a two-stage process. So one, you boil the snow down to water, right? Get it down to water, you're good. Then you add in, I think it's a quart or two quarts, you add in two teaspoons of bleach. Stir, rest, boil again for two minutes, rest, chill, pour through a strainer again, chill, you're good. Right. And Makes sense because the snow is not just snow. It's coming through the air. It's landing on shit. Yep. But there was a guy with a bad tan and shitty hair who told people to drink bleach because it would, uh, you know, cure the COVID. She, oh, no, they because, did not. Because okay. Cunt Dick said that, I got looped in with that asshole. And all of a sudden, my, my advice is, uh, is harming. I'm, I'm harming people. And so. Well, sorry I, if you're wrong. That's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, I was like, hey, you guys, by the way, this is on Google. Like, I'm not making shit up. You can just Google it. Yeah, here it this is. is your land. You're a mountain man. Yeah, I was like, here, go. And they're just like, sorry, you're still banned for 24 hours. I got a reply from them. They're like, oh, okay. Well, you're still. We can't turn this off. And I was like, that's fine. Okay. Oh, no. I'm not that. I'm not that big on Twitter, anyways. I, I, I get in too much trouble going after everybody on Twitter. They're like, you don't have a side. I, I had one guy. He yelled. He got so mad at me, Deb. It was so awesome. So he's just in. And he, I for, he anyways got super upset with me. And so I went to look at his profile page because I wanted to know why he was so mad at me. I know oh, wait, why I get fired You've got to do your research on these people. And so I see it's like, you know, he's got a banner that says Black Lives Matter, but then in his tagline, he says, no lives matter. Like life just doesn't matter. And so I responded and I said, hey man, I looked at your page and I'm not putting you on blast, but you have in your tagline, you see, lives don't matter. Bro, you matter. You do. I don't know who told you that. You matter. It's not that Black Lives Matter, you know, just matter. You matter as well. And I don't know if you're Black, White, Hispanic. I don't care. You matter. Got a DM. No one's ever told me I matter. Shit, I cried. I'm in my house doing some work. And I got teared up. And I was like, well, and he goes, thank you. Um, I just, you know what, life, I'm just upset. And I go, that's okay. Dude, I'm upset a lot of the times too, man. I mean- You, you did absolutely the best thing that anybody needs to do 
when these situations arise and it's so easy to just you see something you get incensed and you write back and I think I learned and I'm very grateful for my formative years of radio training I got uh this was before Twitter and Instagram this was like email if people could figure out the internet but I used to work with JB and Sandy on Mix 94.7 and it was the beginning of emailing everybody and I used to get an occasional like you suck fucking die or something, whatever it was, or what you just said was stupid. And I was so young and I was so like, <gasps> and I'm a very sensitive person. I'm, maybe that's never come out. I'm very sensitive. I'm very in touch with my emotions and I'm very empathetic. And so if I ever think I've like hurt someone or I'm just like, Ugh! and JB and Sandy, maybe they've been doing it for years or maybe they just made it up on the spot, but they said, email them back please send picture of both boat and trailer. Like you're responding to an ad, right? Made no fucking sense, but it, it made, so they're like, I'll type out your mean response and then delete it or leave it there and don't send it for two days and come back and then send, please send picture of both boat and trailer. And I've never forgotten that. And it's not what I've led with for three years since, but just diffusing somebody's reaction because most times people just see something and they react and you and I like you looked into his page and what they've tweeted and I do that I've done that now for years since we have that ability but when someone just emails you you don't know so saying something that is so bizarre and disarming sometimes people write back sorry I was just being a dick <laughs> and it happens way more and when Jason and I started the show, uh, it was mostly email and then social media started. But, uh, oh my gosh, there was this one listener. What was her name? Pam. Oh my gosh, Pam. Hated me. Everything I said, she fucking hated. And she would write, you just said something really dumb and ignorant. And you know, it might have, I don't even remember what it was, but I would write back. I'm sorry, Pam, love you, because that was, you know, that's mm -hmm. my tagline. And we became great friends and it's happened so often. So if I can give any advice, you get a shitty comment response, you don't know, they might've had a shit day. They might, their husband might've just fucking yelled at them. Their kids might've just like driven them crazy. They might've just got like rear-ended on the highway, whatever, just have a breath look into it and just say, sorry if what I said was upsetting to you. That was not my goal. Love you. Something along those lines, make, make yours up. And um, it honestly, it takes away your anger too, because I'm, like I said, I'm very sensitive when I read those things. Sometimes like, I feel like, <gasps> like my heart rate goes up. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like palpitating and I'm very prone to anxiety anyway. And so sometimes you just want to, react in that moment and I'm not saying I haven't I have I'm not fucking perfect I've made some terrible mistakes in my life but if you can just give yourself a second like you did Jason you looked into him and you saw what he'd written and he just needed a soul to reach out and you did that yeah, I just I, if you die tomorrow you have I mean apart from with your family obviously you're a goddamn king but to, to be kind to a stranger is a gesture that is often forgotten. And I believe 
especially after this last year and a bit, I've seen so many evidences of kindness to strangers and it is heartwarming. And that's what I hope just continues, you know, yeah. like we talked about it earlier. What's in this year? Are we, you know, we're, uh, we're all about abolishing uh, life sentences or we're all about abolishing um, dress codes in school, whatever it is like there's that. I mean, there, there are myriad problems, but let's not forget them. Let's just keep going with all of them. It doesn't mean we can't, keep thinking about Black Lives Matter just because the big thing happened last year. We all need to shift our paradigm and think about how we can just be more citizens of the world. Just like Natalie Sands, real bitch, all right? I know her. I mean, I don't. She's in the movie. She's all rich. She's all rich. She's got the money. She goes, what have you got? 10 speed. Oh, one of my favorite lines. I didn't even know what that was when I was a kid. She's up there filing her nails. She's got a rich daddy and she's mean to our, our heroines of this film, Lynn Stone and Janie. But you know what? She's miserable. She is. And she just needs a cuddle. Her parents no. don't give her any attention. They give her money. Look at that. She's got an automated wardrobe. Her clothes I go love, by. I love I'm the like, automated like a dry cleaner. I oh. love it. I really do. I love the automated wardrobe. I think it's, I mean, when I, I remember watching this as a kid and I saw her click the thing and the doors opened up and I was like, like Shit. how the, how does that, how's that happen? And then she's got the thing in there. I'm like, how does that, you know, and, and I agree with you. I mean, listen, kindness, I wish that would take off. I was in uh, Montana and we're hanging out and I'm going to get my daughter a treat in the morning in Townsend, Montana. There's only like four stores there, right? And 1500 people maybe on a really busy day. And I'm in, you know, it's month, it's fucking cold. It was like 22 degrees in the morning. And I'm in shorts and a t-shirt. And I, I don't care. And I'm just, I'm going over there. When were you there, Christmas? Uh, no, this was three weeks ago. Okay. Just flew up to my grandmother's 93. It's Harper's great grandmother. And wow. I wanted her to see her. And I hadn't seen her in a couple of years. Uh, it was um, a very difficult trip for me because at, at almost 94, uh, She's aging, Her last trip. forgetting things. And she was, I didn't have strong women role models in, in my world. Uh, I had one gal who was an older woman named Nancy, who I remember she was so tough. She got lung cancer, never smoked a cigarette in her life. Pure Christian lady, non-judgmental. I mean, she was the good Christian. They couldn't put her under for her surgery because it would kill her from the other ailments she had. Oh, so she went surgery awake, feeling the pain. What surgery? I forget. It was something with, uh, it was removing some things in her lungs. Fucking queen. Alive and well. Queen. I mean, she's just, she's a boss, right? And I had her and I had my grandmother and I had Tony Swart. Those are the three people that were women, that were strong women, that were in my life, that were good role models. Yeah. And uh, to have her wake up in the morning and be scared because she didn't recognize me was absolute torture. It was torture. But to watch her light up when she saw my daughter, to have those two knuckleheads have a conversation and make fun of me. Did she think maybe that was like one of her kids or something, or she just was happy to see a child, or she at that point realized that that was her great granddaughter? Together, it come in. She's like, "There's Harper." That's oh, well, that's got to make you fucking cry. Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> I, uh, and then I did something sneaky. I turned on the. Uh, I turned on the computer. The recording's not that great. She wouldn't do the microphones. And I just hit record and I put the computer close to her. And I just asked her questions about her childhood. 
and some stuff should, I'm 93 years, I don't know nothing. I don't remember nothing, I'm old. But then there'd be moments where she's like, oh, you know, this happened. Oh, oh do you know your wonderful. uncle? Uh, my, my brother, when, uh, when I went on a date with your grandfather, uh, he took my purse and he ran up and hid in a tree and he couldn't <laughs> come down. And if I went up there to get him in that tree, he'd have dropped that purse. And I was just mad. You know, and she's telling about the first time she went to a movie. She's my, my great grandpa, Grandpa George, and what a shitty driver he was. He never washed his car, smoked <laughs> cigars, like it was nobody's business, but also never said a mean thing about anybody. And I mean, that's not hyperbole. Grandpa George never said a mean thing about one person. Wow. Ever. He was a gentleman. He was a legit gentleman. And, uh, you know, so she got to share those stories. And I just did it for Harper. I was like, here, kid. Like now this is yours. Yeah, she's got that memory now. You got this and you were there and you interrupted like a like a seven-year-old should and you made <laughs> weird comments like, yeah, that's funny, but you know what's funnier? My dad farting. You know, that's great <laughs> because then my grandmother laughs and she's like, yeah, this is, you know. And it was, it was, it was cool, but it was also representative of kindness, right? And and um so anyways, back to I'm up there and I'm crossing the street and there's a guy, all you know, rancher going in to get his cup of coffee. And uh, I see him and he's like, someone thought spring was coming a little early. And I didn't know, buddy. Like, <laughs> what you doing here, Southerner? Yeah, and I was like, uh, yeah, I thought spring might hit a little early, but that's okay. I'm from here. And he goes, oh. you are? I go, yeah. I tell him my last name. And he's like, I know your family real well. So we walk into, he opens the door, walk into the diner together. I'm like, please, after you, sir. He orders his coffee and he turns to say hi to a local. And I look at the gal and I'm just putting it on my tap. And she goes, okay. And he goes to get his coffee and she goes, don't worry about it, it's taken care of. He goes, what? He goes, someone bought your coffee. And he looks at me and he goes, sunshine over here? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, sunshine over here. And he goes, wow. thanks man. He goes, next time I see you, I'll get yours. And I said, thanks for making me laugh so hard this morning, I appreciate it. And I don't bring it up because you know, I'm like, hey, I got, I got coffee money to buy people. I got you $2. I got my $2, man. I'm $2 rich. It's, folks, do kind things, man. And, it, and it's just do it. And just do it because you want to do it. Just, yeah. I mean, just be that person that just wants to do it. And if it comes from there, and I've done it before in the drive-thru, you know, I'm like, hey, the person behind me, they ordered it. back, yeah. You, do it. you just have fun. You just drive away and who cares? And guess what? More than likely, no one's going to do it for you. And if you're doing, hoping that someone does it for you as well in your time of need, you're wrong. No, it's not. That's not what philanthropy is about. You just, just if you see a need, fill it. Yep. And like to get the pat on the back for it is, I have a, a, so many wonderful friends here and it's very strange. Three of my closest friends, they all have two sons, two little boys, like two under, they're all under 10. So I have these amazing like, nephews and they all call me auntie boggy but oh god did you know my name was boggy no i uh yeah three of my best friends all have two little boys and my first friend to have a son to have a child out of all of my friends here uh it was there the day he was born our dog my blue boy and and luke luke skywalker their dog were best friends and um, just always in and out of each other's lives. And, and they actually used to live very close to me. Now they went all like, oh, we're rich. We're living out in the wherever. But anyway, I spent a lot of time with the kids when they were young. And 
one day I just, as usual, parked the car, walked up their front um, path with Blue Boy and little Bradford says at three or two or three, just puts his arms out and he goes, boggy, boggy. And it's clearly for me. And I look at his mum and she's like, well, I don't know where that came from. And I was like, well, I've never said anything because I'm Auntie Deb to my actual nieces and nephews. And so uh, it just stuck. So after she'd had her second child, my other friends started having children and they were like, I mean, talk about crying. They said, hey, is it okay if our child calls you Boggy or Auntie Boggy? And I'm like, yes, it's fine. There's like 15 kids around Austin that call me Boggy and um, that that's who I am. I love it. My daughter, because I do the those in front of things, spending too much time in California, the 405. She's like, Jay, she's like, Dad, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm going to go talk to the dad. She goes, oh, she's so great. Will you tell her hi? Oh, I love her. She is just a freaking ray of sunshine. She is a little ray of sunshine. She's the best. I was talking to a gentleman. Um, the, the hairy artist is what he goes by on Instagram. He did a cool thing. If you look at it, there's a, there's a video he did where he put my face over a whole bunch of- Oh my God, you sent that to me. That's fucking yeah. hilarious. I thought that but, was real for a second. <laughs> he was like, he was like, hey, uh, I did this while sitting on the toilet or something. He was like, it was like, took no time. And I was chatting with him and we were talking, he has kids and we were talking and he goes, what's your trick? What's your thing? And I said, oh, it's not a thing. I just know that my daughter didn't choose to have a relationship with me. So I've got to be better. I'm not- I've got to be a dad, I've got to create rules, but I also have to better understand her personality because it's not mine. I yeah. have to better understand oh who she wants to be and who she is because it's not me. She needs to be better than, my only rule for- Oh my God, you need to write a fucking book. <laughs> I, okay, I hate to interrupt what you just said, but that was prophetic. Um, not pathetic, prophetic. Uh, I've had an on and off, amazing and difficult relationship with my mum. My dad died when I was 18. They divorced when I was eight. So, you know, that last 10 years of me growing up with my dad, not in the home, it had its own issues and stuff, but um, I, oh my God, it worshiped my mum at school. Who's your hero and why? My mum. When my parents got divorced, she raised three children. She went back to school. She, you know, we're all very different and difficult in our own ways. And she just managed everything. She's a fucking queen. Um, and then in my twenties, like there was, some, I started doing some pushback with her and, and I was like angry with her, but I couldn't figure it out. And then in my thirties, I just had like several years where I barely talked to her because I was just so angry with some of the, the, the reactions she'd had to some of my traumas or like stuff that I'd gone through. And I'd ex I, I had expected my mum to react a certain way. And when she didn't, I was just disappointed at first and then angry and then just like, fuck it. I don't want to have a relationship. And it took last year when I took my mental health break, I went to a residential facility and they did a, facilitated zoom meeting with therapists and family members and so they actually have a day where all these families there's only like eight of us at this place eight or ten of us uh all the family members these two therapists and they all talked about all these different things and then the next day we were like 
us and the family were all on a Zoom. And then after that, the therapist talked to my mum separately for like an hour. And then we had, it ended up being like two hours. It was only supposed to be an hour. And it was life-changing. My mum, whom I love and has, I don't think any ever done anything bad, but she's not really very empathetic. She's kind and she sees someone who's fallen, she'll pick them up. But with me, I'm so um, in touch with my emotions and I'm very sensitive and she's not. And so when I was young, it'd almost be like, oh, you're fine. She'd give me a hug, you know, you're fine. But not really like understand why I was upset or reach into that. And this, this therapy thing just fucking changed all that. And I also realized like I was projecting onto my mom what I wanted and she can't give it to me. And I was very angry about it and hurt. And I felt abandoned and I'd felt abandoned my entire life because my mom never got me. We're getting better now. And I'm actually putting aside my expectations for my mom. And I put out to her what I need and she puts back what she can. And I'm grateful for it. Mm -hmm. And I'm instead of just being angry that I'm not getting what I think I want. Um, and so to hear a parent say what you just said, like that's fucking prophetic because so many parents treat their children like maybe they were treated or they think their children should be treated. And they're so individual and we're so, so different and so nuanced. And so to hear a parent say, all right, I might not have done, you freaked out. I think that's dumb or you overreacted, but you're not saying that to them. You're trying to put yourself in their shoes and say they did it for their reason. Mind blown. <laughs> that's, I mean, not a perfect parent in any way, shape or form. And I- Nobody's perfect. But to stand back and say, I don't know everything and I'm going to be the best to try and understand what you need and treat you the way I think you need to be treated rather than the way I would want to be treated in that situation. Mm -hmm. It's fucking amazing. I, I told her, I asked her the other day, I asked how I was doing. This was, geez, maybe nine months ago. I was like, hey, how am I doing? How's dad? Oh, and you know goes, what? Parents never ask that of their kids. Oh, I and I, so I asked her this time and she goes, can I tell you something? I'm like, you can tell me anything, kid. I like to call her kid in disco. So I'm like, you can tell me anything, kid. And she goes, I don't like it when you raise your voice. I don't like it when you yell. I was like, okay. Okay. So, you know, um, as you know. Oh my God, your kid is going to be so emotionally educated as she so. goes through life. Better than me. And I said, I said, you know what? I hope so. I, but I said, uh, yeah, you know, dad's animated. And sometimes I get a little too upset. I get worked up. I do. Uh, I also sometimes just talk loud because I get excited. And yes, you know, so, I'm that way too. Yeah. So I want to. I want to teach you the difference. I go, but I am hearing you. And I'll, I'll work my best to stop it. And a month later goes by, and she comes up, and I go, Hey, how was your day? And she's like, Good, and gives me a hug, and we're talking. And I go, What? Hey, what else is going on? She goes, Oh, can I tell you something? And I'm like, Sure, kiddo. And she goes, You haven't yelled this whole month. I really like that. <gasps> wow. And, I was just, you know, so I was, I mean, I was floored. Dude, like, I'm, not kissing, I'm not kissing your ass on this, but that's fucking incredible and so intuitive. And I think so often 
parents don't realize that what they birth isn't mini me. Like I see it so often, my twin, my little me, that's not you girl, that's not you guy. That's a combination of two people. You've got those genes and then that little person is their own fucking thing. Yeah, they got their own chemistry going on in between their ears and it's- All of it. And you, you've, got to, you've got to try to figure it out. And remember, she told me one thing, Deb, you're gonna love this. So wife's uh, taken off to Mexico and he's, uh, she's, having some, she's having a girlfriend getaway and I'm, I'm so excited, I'm so happy for her. The kid and I, we're road warriors. We hang out all the time anyway, so I don't care. And we're having fun and she goes, mom, we have to buy you some new underwear. That underwear <laughs> doesn't fit you. It's all up your butt. You gotta get, oh. bigger, <laughs> so you gotta get bigger panties. And Deb, I spit my toothpaste out <laughs> all over the wall, all over the mirror. But also there was a part of me and one of the things we really work on Harper with is, is like, hey kiddo, you got it. You're your own person, and say your own things, and, and be your own. And you know, and, and one last story about her: she uh, she went to play with some friends. She was supposed to be gone for an hour, and then I was going to go pick her up. So I walk her outside. I watch her walk up to her friend's house, and then I go back inside. And ten minutes later, door opens. I'm like what? I go hello. She's like, hey, dad. I'm like, what's going on? And this is this is my proudest parent moment, hands down. She goes, oh well, I was, some of the girls she plays with are older. And, and two of the girls were just like, hey, we're playing our way. So you're the youngest. We're going to put you in timeout, sit in the corner. Oh, get out of town. Goes, no, I want to play. And they're like, no, no, no. So we're older and we're playing house. And so you're in timeout. So you just can't jump with us or do anything. And so Harper just put her shoes on, walked away and came home. Jeez. She walked away from four girls that are older than her. Does she probably really admires in a lot of ways and wants to be part of Mm -hmm. walked away do you know i know you don't know the life of a little girl but um i mean you're watching it and you're helping with it but that desire to be part of a group um is so strong to be to have those peers especially if they're a little older to think you're cool or want to hang out with you and that Oh my God, I've experienced it a lot. And I've older, like, I only have two cousins around my age and the rest are like 10 or 15 years older. So I was never cool enough to hang with them. And I like just way too young to be in their games, but to be rejected like Harper was and to just go, no, I'm fine. It's huge. That shows such confidence and personal strength. Um, Because I bet you, I would have just, sat there or fought it and got, you know, angry because I had brothers, so I would yell probably or been sad and cried. I bet you I would have just cried and I probably wouldn't have told my mom about it later. That's that's, that's a huge thing that your child will come to you and tell you about this misdemeanor that happened in her adolescent life and how she reacted. It's like, Jesus Christ, well done, dad. Well done, Mom. Well well done by her. Uh, Well done by her, but like also instilling this confidence in her. Got to, have to, man, because there's, you know, I didn't grow up a confident kid. Um, I, you know, uh, abusive relationships that my mom was in that, I mean, she was, her, some of her husbands were, uh, or one of her husbands was, I should say. And, you know, it's just, when you don't 
when you're young and you don't have that confidence and you see how hard it makes life, you know, how, how different it is to um, walk into a new school or anything else, or, you know, but I would, I'm just so bullheaded that as I got older, I mean, I was 17 graduate high school. I'm like, I'm, I'm moving to Seattle. I'm going to school there. I'm out. Yeah, I moved out of home at 17 too. <laughs> let me get out. Let me get out. Let me just, and let me just get beat up. And I did, man. I mean, I got my ass handed to me and then moved to Southern California, met some great people. Soon as I got comfortable, I got to get out of here. Moved to the Bay Area, moved back down, moved to Portland, moved back down, spent some time in Denver, some time in New York, back in SoCal, out to Austin, only to show to myself that the scenario doesn't matter. The location doesn't matter. I know what I need to be content with myself. And I know what I need to have the base or the confidence to go out and meet people and talk with them. And it's super simple. I need a airport. I need a good internet connection. And I need a dive bar. You give me those three things. <laughs> eh, let's throw four and you give me some edibles. Give me those four things. <laughs> We'll put that on your tombstone, Jason. That's right. Just put that on my tombstone. Be like, he's Jason is dead, but in heaven, he's in one of these three places. He's there hanging out. And that is, you know, if, if, if she can find more than three, like if she can find a better, a larger base for comfort. Yeah. And like I said, if she's just better than me, like that's all I want, right? I mean, I if you're better she, than your kid, you're, you're killing it. You're crushing that's it. That's always what we want. I mean, I don't have kids myself, but like I said, a million fake nephews and nephews and nieces of my own. And that is all I've ever wanted for them is that they have more confidence. They have the ability to talk to people when they need help, when they're not happy. Because so many of us, when we were teenagers, we just, I know me, I would fucking sit in my room, put my headphones on and listen to sad print songs and, or, you know, girls just want to have fun. By the way, this bit, she goes, because she's making a distraction for the nuns in choir practice so Janie can go out and practice with Jeff. You sneak away, get some action in, right? This film was all about sneaking away. It's amazing. So question for you on this film and about yeah. what we were talking about with confidence and not calling women crazy and, and this whole thing, you know? Yeah. One of my struggles with 80s movies and early 90s. Oh, oh bad, 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 bad. One, the way they paint women. You know, I, I love the, the new tagline. I'm not raising my daughter to be a princess. I'm raising my daughter to be a person so she doesn't rely on a prince, she gets a partner. I'll just, let me just interject quickly. Uh, I. I'm 46, so I was born Youngster. in 74, and uh, whatever movies came after that, you can figure it out. But I think the first time I saw like Snow White or Cinderella, I was like, no offense, fuck that shit. I'm gonna fucking sit around waiting for a goddamn man. Like, what? What am I just, ooh, I'll clean this, and then a prince shall appear. <laughs> fuck off. No, I've hated Disney vehemently for years and one of my dearest exes who is going into why I'm not married well, I got married once in my early 20s don't do that it was stupid but it was it was like a, a starter run do I want to do this I don't know um one of my very dear serious exes who I thought was you know 
I've only had a couple that I thought were going to be future potentials, and I thought this was one. But his little girl, who I adored, was treated like a princess. And I just remember one day we were out in a park, and I was like, look at this tree, let's climb it. And like, like the easiest tree in the world. It was like a weird live oak and the, you know, the branches come down sometimes. Do you know what I mean? They like hit the ground. I'm up there climbing. I was like, this is fucking awesome. She's like, she started crying. And I love that little girl. I did. And maybe like, she just never climbed. It was like not even climbing a tree, but her mother bows in the hair. Every nighty t-shirt thing was fucking Disney princesses. And that wasn't the reason the relationship didn't work, but it was actually his ex-wife was just a real fucking bitch and hated me. And he never stood up to her, to me. I was not, well, it was just really tragic and devastating to me. I lost, you know, I broke up with him, but I lost her and him, but she was treated like a princess and she acted like it. And I thought, when you do this, how are you empowering this young girl to go through the world where she's gonna have so much shit? put in front of her she's gonna have so many fucking dudes who are gonna be like oh you're gorgeous you're amazing and she's like well i'm used to this and it's gonna be like fucking one and done yeah why raise your daughters to be disney princesses unless like some of the new ones all right yeah they're gonna kick your fucking ass and that's the way it should be but that old shit i feel like that should be illegal like you said some of these 80s 90s movies and you're just like wow just grab a tit why don't you yeah it's it's you know, I, I really am, I'm really careful on what, what my kid watches and why, and, you know, we'll, we'll talk about things afterwards, because I think it's important to see how she's digesting it. So then, you know, do that. what she should and, watch. and uh, it's, it's unique that she'll see it. You're like, why didn't that girl just stand up? I mean, I told my kid from day one, I'm like, hey, don't worry about kicking someone on the balls. It can be difficult. And you can lose your balance. However, if you put your, <laughs> your chest, you know, that little web between yeah. your thumb and forefinger, oh, the thread. Just put your hand on your chest and slide up as fast as you can. And she's well, like, that the knuckle of the thumb, and you go, Yep. Data Marie, you told me a lot of that stuff. But the nose is really good. Just like a put your hand like you're playing rock, paper, scissors, and you've got the paper, and you just fucking judo chop between the lip, right on the base of your middle nostril. Boom, out, out. And also, their eyes water, they don't know yeah. what's going on, they're blinded, or you hit them in the throat, they're blinded again and they can't breathe, and they're more worried about oxygen their brain is than going after you. I know she's only seven, but I'm glad you're teaching her that shit. Yeah. And not take any shit. And, and it, we were talking about like cyclical things and what do we teach her, what are we talking about? What are the hit words like, oh, you know, whatever the fad, What this is what, in my opinion, this is what like, right wingers think oh now we're now we're right about black lives matter well now we're worried about mental health no like they just fucking say this shit to be mean i think like i said earlier we need to always concentrate on that stuff and when it comes to little girls we need to not only this is a big thing that came out of england recently a young a young woman she's like in her 30s was walking home from an evening with a friend in clapham uh which is just south london and she went missing and she showed up dead a few days later and she was murdered by a policeman. Oh, and God. it was a sexual crime. And a certain faction is like, 
we need to protect women and teach them how to, you know, self-defense. And we need to, you know, women shouldn't be walking out late at night. And listen, since I've been a human, which is 46 years, and since I've been allowed to leave the house, like Jason, you said your mum would let you drive down the road on a bike. I've known probably like eight, nine years old, me and my brothers, I was eight, nine years, or seven, 13, 11, whatever. We would go around in the neighborhood, go down to the woods, whatever, head on a fucking swivel, some bloke watching him, uh, then older, walking home at night or biking home at night from friends, dodgy man following me in a truck, remember the license plate number, jogging, one earbud in or both with very low volume, watch, 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 walking my dog, blue boy was such a fake pit bull, he was never mean, uh, but I would like go, oh, get back here. You know, oh, I'd pull him back if I saw a bloke that was too close. We women have trained ourselves since we were walking around on our own without our parents for everything. I know so many men that didn't know that. Uh, this was last year or the year before, actually, when I was on Jason and Deb, uh, I said to Jason about walking with or running or with one earbud in, he's like, what? And I said, you don't realize what women go through. What do you mean? You just go for a run. I'm like we can't run if we can't hear anything because what if someone comes up behind us? He goes, well, what do you mean? I go, women get raped all the time, you goddamn fool. <laughs> and so many men, it's come out this last year or so, don't realize the training or just like this instinct that women have of always like, what you doing? Right, you're sitting too close. I've seen you watch me. You've like, you know, all these things. We're like, we're like little um, computers, like do, 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 with like little red lines. You do, you were there, you were here, I see you. Um, that's, that's great that we can do that. But why aren't men as young? I imagine if you had a son, you would be this guy teaching young men. You don't, if you like a girl, don't be mean to her. Yeah, no. Don't pull her hair, don't call her names, don't scare her, don't, don't be mean. And then as teenagers, if you wanna take a girl out on a date, yeah, I know you wanna have sex with her, but sorry, go and have a wank. Go take the girl to Pizza Hut and then come home and have another wank. If she kisses you, it doesn't mean she wants to fuck you or she should fuck you. Older, you buy a girl a drink, doesn't fucking mean anything. That's your choice. Even if she asks you, you've said yes, doesn't mean you can enter into the sexual contract. Men, young, young boys, teenagers, adolescents, men need to learn the codes that women have known for years. And it's not fair that the onus of, well, she shouldn't have walked home on her own at night is on us. Well, no, maybe men, no. you should stop raping people. Men, maybe you should stop groping women. Maybe men, when you're driving down the road, stop beeping at girls you know how that fucking scares the shit out of us whoa, whoa what's up girl fuck off why don't you smile why don't i give you a fucking uh chelsea smile that's like what the joker had by the way oh yeah no i listen i couldn't agree with you more i was well, you know, i know you do i'm talking to the others yeah yeah and the other people should and i would say this you know but we talked about this uh off air but i was you know i'm a libertarian and when it comes to that, I, I look at this and I'm like, hey, 
here's the one thing that whether you're an R or a D or, or anything in between, I don't really care. But here's the one thing that nobody's telling you. When you're talking about let's not forget things, but you got to keep moving forward. Guess what that is? That's called being an adult. That's called living. And life's yeah. fucking tough. And responsibility is tough. And actually understanding out of compassion is tough. Even though you may not have as much compassion as Deb or as me, compassion's tough. Understanding people is tough. Listening is tough. Being embraceful is tough. And understanding the fact that the world isn't perfect, whether you're in America or England or Russia or China, wherever you are, it's not perfect. It's not better over there than it is over here. It's just not perfect. And in the world of not being perfect, it would be really, really nice if one day we would wake the fuck up and instead of running on fads and running on trends and running after whatever's cool and hip and whatever cute little bracelet I get to wear next because they told me to wear it, if instead I just took the responsibility of being a good person, understanding and embracing people, starting with my family and then entering into my neighbors. If I just do that, if people, if you just do that, and then you do random acts of kindness outside of your circle. If you just do those things, those very, very simple things, guess what? We don't have these fucking problems at all. Because you're an adult. If everybody in the world, regardless of socioeconomic background, race, color, religion, politics, if we just think about it when, especially now, this is, is, I think, a good analogy. When you have... Dirt your hand to pull a door handle open, right? And you see someone coming in behind you. I always the door, even trying to speak, always for that door to for the next person. And that's like the smallest thing you can do. That is so simple. Yes, we all want to keep six feet, or even if you're wearing masks and that, just give someone a door open. Even uh, I think a lot of men get it out. I've I've good friend of mine so he's a little country and if i hold the door open for him he's like uh-huh and i have to like get out the way and he that's his thing that's that's what makes him happy and feel a man and feel just like fulfilled but as it, like you just said being why don't we just use the analogy of always holding the door open for the person and that means um being kind if someone drops something next to you and they have hands full, just, just pick it up for them. If someone is having trouble with trying, a crying child and their push chair is like stuck on a curb, just go and pick the fucking end of it up and walk them up the stairs. It, there are so many simple things that we can do. Compassion is huge. And if you're not a compassionate person, you can just be like randomly kind. Mm-hmm. I just believe that it'd be so simple if we all just did like one nice thing a day. Let me tell you a cute little story. I know I shouldn't be on here, but we've been on here for like eight hours. But uh, I live in Hyde Park and my most close uh, like convenience store is the flag store. I think most people in Austin know it and they're great. And uh, oh, that wasn't my story, but during the freeze, they stayed open the whole fucking time. And I know I've just been, I've been coming here for years and the uh, blokeies, he's Guatemalan. I saw him in HEB months before that, and he has a, a child in a, uh, he's a disabled child in a wheelchair, Pre- pretty disabled. And um, anyway, I've just been, you know, hi, hi, hi. And I bring my dog, and he's like, so cute. I just blew in there, and his name is Blue. So 
we would say azulito and sometimes azulito lito because that's like cute little blue so then when I got Alfie who's black and white he would say azulito lito like little little it's so cute anyway so they're friends and at the freeze luckily like you my he's my now ex-boyfriend but well, was ex-boyfriend then, but we're very close. He stayed with me during the freeze because his power was out, but he's from Pennsylvania and has an all-wheel drive, so he could drive. So we went to Costco, we bulked up, we called all of our neighbors, all of our local friends, what do you need? We made deliveries. And then I went to the store to get, you know, the essentials, uh, a box of wine. And um, I said to him, how are you? How's your son? How's your wife? Where are you? He's like, oh, we're in a hotel. You know, we have nothing. I just came right back home and I took most of my Costco shit and I just took it to him. And I like only had, I had a hundred bucks in cash. I put it in there and gave it to him. And like, I, I had been fired at this point. I'm unemployed, but I'm like, I fucking have a house. I'm fine. He's an hourly worker living in a hotel with a disabled child. But that wasn't my story, but they're wonderful. Flag store folks, be nice to them. There's another little convenience store down Duval. It's like Duval right by Julio's and Asti and Mother's, which is now closed, which is sad. But they're lovely too. And I would walk my dog and go in there and they're so sweet. And they're Nepalese. And one day I went in and my sweet little friend is wearing this cute little t-shirt. And I said, where'd you get your t-shirt? He says, oh, it goes me miss, miss or oh, madam. I got it in Nepal. And uh, I was like, oh, I love it. It's so cute. And I actually have a robe from Nepal because my friend got it for me and I love it. And uh, I said, well, if you ever go back, let me know, I'll buy a t-shirt. And he called me last week and he says, Madame, I have your t-shirt. And I went and picked it up and it's so fucking cute. It has like the flags and all the prayer stuff. And uh, I'm like, how much? And he's like, nothing. I must want to say, fuck you, man. <laughs> how much? How much? Come on. It was amazing. He went, he got to go home for four months and he saw all his families and friends. Like he said, he met up with a childhood friend he hadn't known since he was like in elementary school. It was lovely. And I'm like, what can I do to thank you? Like this man who works hourly at a grocery store, you know, is giving a gift to me. And if that level of kindness exists, why aren't people of privilege like us? I'm no, I'm unemployed, but I'm fine for now. Why aren't we all just doing just a little bit? I know you are, Jason. Well, we, we are. We can I'm talking to the others, as I like to call them. Sure, and I, but you know, we can all do more and we all have our good days and our bad days. Uh, yeah. You know, it's, um, it's interesting as, as much as, as long as I've had the privilege to, to listen to you, I, I remember the first time we met, um, you know, and, and, and the, the fact that we've been able to become friends you know, I one of the it. things that, and, and it, it's, it, it speaks to your stories and which, which you've been talking about is that, Debbie, you're one of those rare people that holds convictions in the truest sense. You really, you hold on to them and you hold on to them for the right reasons, not the fad reasons, but for the right reasons. You know, I mean, your Thanks. story of, you know, there, there's, there's a reason why you got a painting of blue. Right. I wish this was a real video because <laughs> it's actually by my fireplace right now, which doesn't work because I'm a peasant, but uh, it's in there and well, I have a shrine. I'll just show you, Jason, like, I'll just, I don't know if you can see oh, that. Oh, look it's at like that. A, like a blue shrine. That's only, well, that's one of three blue shrines. Like, 
I also have obviously Blue Boy behind me. Oh, he's I have Blue Boy too. I love the tattoo. But it was I do. It's, it's those things that, you know, and then it doesn't, it didn't, more importantly, I think is one is that we got to see your love and compassion for animals and, and you lived it out with, with Blue in, in so many ways. And I mean, I remember, uh, I forget the gym downtown that we both used to go to. Yeah. But you would, like Blue would just hang out. Like, up here, yeah, little... I would time up outside. You was you knew Blue then? Yeah, because I'd, I'd say, I mean, we'd be walking and I'd be like, hey, Deb, you're like, hi. Yeah, that was Jason Dick's friend. And I'd be like, hello. And then Blue would be out there and I'd give Blue a pet. You know, and, and but he would just hang out there. He was he was not only just he a would just wait. he would just wait for people and he would just, you know, like every person he would wiggle his whole body and his tail, like, oh my god, you're here to see me, right? You're my yeah, you're coming in. Obviously, you've got to do something else, but you're primarily here for me. You'll be back. <laughs> but it was that that compassion that that you showed with blue, you also showed in other areas. And the fact that whether it was people's rights or, or women's rights or or it was a cause you never back down and I wonder for the listeners out there and I don't care whether you agree or you guys email me I don't fucking care whether you agree email or me or wait no don't email me but get uh, at me at Deb O'Keefe get at Deb O'Keefe but get, I mean, you can email me and say oh I don't care what you think you've got to people have to look past the opinion and look at the context, just like we were talking about. Well, what do you right? think the listeners are going to email you? Well, because, well, I got it. Well, I'm going to say this next, right? Which is whether someone agrees or disagrees with your a political statement you say, or an animal activist a- activism that you say, or what you know when you talk about you know adopt, don't shop. Whether they agree or disagree is is yeah. consequential to me personally, because it is more about you as a person, your convictions, your consistency, and that you, and that when push comes to shove, whether it's a job or whether it's a friend or whether it's just you're going to get some angry tweets or lose some Twitter followers, you don't bend. However, one of the other things that is, is amazing about that with you is that also you still listen. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. And I have definitely said things that I, I need to be corrected for. And I think we could all say that, um, you know, that there are misconceptions and uneducated statements uh, that I think we can all lean back on. And I know I've said a few of those, but I do like, I literally don't have a job right now because I haven't said this out loud yet, but I'll say it. I was upset, as was everybody, every single person in that company that I worked for, they were upset about the practices that were going on. And I was very vocal and passionate and upset and infuriated and offended by so many things that were passed down and everybody that I spoke to agreed with me, including management. And I was told, should I say this? You don't have to, I understand that there's other things happening around this. And there are things happening, but I was told, do you want to be right? Or do you want to have a job? Yeah. 
And um, so clearly I don't have a job. <laughs> Does that mean I was right? Like I'm so confused right now, but um, uh, I, I am convicted, Jason, and um, very convicted of my ideas. And, and I, believe, I believe just in truth and right and yes, I've been wrong in some things I've said before, but like my goal, my life purpose is to be here for a fucking reason. I, and, and actually I had a phone call with my, or FaceTime with my mum yesterday and I had a bit of a hard weekend. I had the second COVID vaccine on Friday uh, at 11 a.m. And by 10, 11 p.m. that night when I went to bed, I didn't sleep that night and I was pretty sick, very flu symptoms. Uh, just get stocked up with fluids and some nice food that you want. Um, and then I had a headache for a couple of days after that. But also I'd started thinking about my dog Blue. I don't know why on Sunday. And I just got I just got really sad. And so I spoke to my mum yesterday and, you know, just talked to people because I was in a bit of a dark spot. And in the past, when I felt bad emotionally, I just would hide from everybody and so now I know I need to talk to people so I talked to my mom my ex-boyfriend my best friend and um and my mom was just so wonderful even though she has no empathy I love you mom but uh she knows she has to like learn to deal with me differently and you know she was wonderful she's like don't worry about not having a job right now you were fuck she didn't say fucking because my mom's never said the f word in her life she said you were miserable you were so unhappy there she said getting fired is the best thing that ever happened to you and i'm sorry that you feel like shit right now but just wait and uh she was right because i was so unhappy and I watched so many other people be unhappy too. And in ways that I just wanted to reach out and say, this is wrong. And I couldn't, well, I did in the end, but nobody else did. Nobody else stood up and said, this is wrong. And so as scary as it is to live in this house and have a mortgage and have four pets and have a car payment. By the way, my car just got ruined with the hail. I hope you were okay, but my car's fucked. Um, uh, flood insurance premium just came up. I just had to pay two months of Cobra, which is health insurance gap, seven, $700 a month. Um, and I got no job. And my unemployment is like $1,600 a month. But I'm not there anymore. And I don't have to sit around and see, I won't be a dick, but like evil and nonsense. Um, but you also do what's right. Yeah. And I so, know, you know, I think the other thing is, is that, and people say it, and it's easier for people to say, but for people like you and I who have done it, doing what's right isn't always easy. It yeah. doesn't It doesn't get you a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame and it doesn't get you a TV show or instantly another job. I mean, I watched a girl at an old job get sexually harassed. I removed her from the situation. I walked her to her car I made sure she was okay. And then I called the CEO and told him and he goes, listen, man, people are drinking, shit's gonna happen. And I said, great, here are the keys to my car. Here's everything. I'll see you guys later. Never fucking talk to me again. Wow. 
I didn't have another job for a year and a half. We are not worthy. No, we are not worthy. But if everybody did that, if Dude. everybody did that, guess what? The world would be such a better place. I met a man just like you. I was skiing or snowboarding last weekend. A friend of a friend was with us and he was exactly the same way. He had a friend who's real hot guy and not predatory, but he'll go on Twitter and have like a Twitter, Tinder and have like three dates back to back and bang all of them. And so this guy friend of mine, when like I go around or other girlfriends, he's like, don't even talk to that guy. Don't sleep with him. He's going to fucking do this. He's going to do that. Why aren't more guys like you and him and just say, hey, my friend's a bit of a dick, you know, or he's going to fuck you and tell you he loves you and then never come back again. Or this boss is really, you should leave. We need more of you, Jason, Jepson. Well, no, we need more of Jetson. everybody. We need more of you too. We need, we need more of people who just want to stand up for it. And, you know, and this is, this is the other area I wanted to get into because you have a unique perspective on it based on where you're born and where we're at, right? And that perspective is, is simply is, um, I'm interested in how we get understanding people, accepting people, communicating properly, and at the same time, keep free speech. Mm. Because, I'm a bit, you know, I, I, I've said this a, a lot on the podcast and I'll say, I'll say it again because I don't think it can be, it cannot be said enough. From free speech to any freedom and the amount of freedoms that we have in the US, it comes with one cost and it's only one. And that one cost is education. So that we can have a conversation, we know how to properly debate. I don't sit there and go, you make me feel bad, be quiet, Deb, you're not allowed to talk, no. Yeah. No, it's, 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 it's informed, it's insightful, it's respectful discourse, even when you disagree. That's actually okay. huge, Jason. Um, you know, growing up in England, well, in my high school, we didn't have debate. And when I heard about it here, I was like, well, that's weird. <laughs> but as I grew up, I realized, my God, my teenage argumentative powers would have been huge for debate because I was very argumentative as a teenager and early 20s asked my poor stepdad Jesus Christ I'm surprised he's still with my mum but was very argumentative and I was never going to try I never just like took the other side just because but if I found something that I thought was wrong oh I'm going to argue with you about it but I never learned debate and I never learned the right way to just stand back and say, well, go ahead. Then I shall respond. And now I know it as a grown-up, but it honestly took me 20 years to figure that out. And what a great skill, you know, to sit and listen and not just wait, which honestly a lot of men do this, not just wait for the next time you can talk uh, when someone's talking. Just listen and really take it in and maybe even go, oh, I'm going to write a note, you know, and I'll mm -hmm. come back to that. It's a huge, it's a huge skill. Like, yes. But also why aren't kids being taught financial literacy in school? You know, that would solve so many problems of kids getting into debt, getting credit cards at 18 and loans they don't need and car payments and payday loans. I could go all over the town with this one. Oh, I mean, 
I look at, I look at that, you know, it's just education is, you know, everyone's like, well, education still gets more money than a guy. I go, yeah, but when, when based on inflation, when based on kids coming in, when you, when you soup nuts, it's on a decline and everything else is on an incline. And when we're not going to, if we can't respect education, then we can't respect discourse. Then you can have, you know, it's like, I'm not a big fan of kicking anyone off any social media platform. In fact, I want to know, I want everyone to talk because I want to know where you're at. I don't want you hiding in a corner. I, and I understand. I agree to a degree, except there are so many people like you that don't check sources and they see hate mongering being posted. Or did you know Joe Biden loves pizza and pedophilia? I know I have a friend that asked me about that recently. I see your point. But yeah, I, mean, I think I think it's both, right? But also, if that friend had a better education, would they may have not fallen for that little thing? You know, I just and I don't know that answer, but I can tell you there's a greater chance with a better education that you don't fall for bullshit. And also. If you do, no offense to that friend or any or any of my friends that believe that, here's the reality. I just want to know where you stand. So I want to know when I want to debate and when I want to avoid topics. If I know where you stand, it's easier. It's like if Hitler was hidden and you never heard him speak, and then he comes out of the woodwork and does all this hateful stuff, but we never actually, because he was never allowed a microphone, we never heard him say any horrible shit. Mm-hmm. How do we hold him more accountable? And, I, and, and in this scenario, in, in my magical scenario where everyone has a, has a voice, but everyone has a better education, you get a look at them and go, oh, that's interesting. Okay, fantastic. That's a lot to swallow. Uh, don't agree. Uh, and not only do I not agree, but let me tell you, it's not just, a, I, it's, it's no longer, I just don't agree with you. Now it's, let me show you these things. Yeah. Let me show you. Like with the factual, yeah, occurrences. You know, I mean, it's like, I loved what Michael Rappaport did after the BLM movement started to tailor down. Uh, in that time period, there was a week where every day he posted when a young African-American kid was murdered in Chicago or New York or some other place. He posted like it. He's one like, that wasn't highlighted, but he he's like- highlighted at all. Don't forget about this guy. And he's just like, hey, where's your yeah. riot? He's where's your anger where is your where is your is your where is it now mm-hmm. did it all burn out on one because if it all like burned out on about one, that fad that cyclical yeah. version of what's cool right now if it burned out on one it doesn't matter if it burned out on one if you just shot your wad on one it doesn't matter anymore yeah. where is your continued push Conviction. and continued pushes come from education because education allows you to plan Planning allows strategy. Strategy gives direction. Direction gives guidance. Guidance moves people. And when you have a strategic guided approach, it never ends. And that is proven in very simple ways. Politics, religion, and brands that no one can forget. That being McDonald's, Coke, Wendy's, Pepsi. Guess what? They don't change. And because they don't change, and because they just reinforced you, this is what we do. This is what we do. You get it. You got it. You're good. Disneyland, same thing. You're not going to Disneyland hoping to get a beer. You're going to Disneyland to smell vomit, to smell shitty cotton candy, and to watch kids scream and cry as Mickey walks up and down the hallway. That's all you're fucking doing. Maybe I have to princess. say, though, those pillars of 
consistency. Anxiety that you just talked about. Mm -hmm. uh, not straight white, you know, like they're all led by straight white men. They're all the, the, the hourly workers, the women that are pushed by for promotions, like those companies. Um, I don't know if I want to stand there and say, this is the pillar of what we should, what we should. Oh, reach. I'm not saying that's the pillar of what we should do. I'm saying that is the, that because we don't have education, right? Those pillars exist. Like they exist because of consistency. That's it. And, and if you treat education the way that they treat their consistent messaging, education wins. So but, do we, do we look at universal education? Because I'm a big fan of that. Um, I think I think you can. I think you have to look at two things. I think you have to look at universal education, and I think you really have to take a step back and look at, in a broader sense, um, both regional and universal. You've you've we've got to figure out a way, and it's hard. But once again, we're adults, so this is what we get paid to do. This is why this is why you get a this is why you get a drink party, people. <laughs> you get a drink vote and do drugs because you're an adult. So, so hard shit shows up. And that hard shit here is, is that how do you win in universal education and at the same time, people don't lose their culture? How do you win in universal education and at the same time, people don't lose their identity? You want to have an open mind, but not so open that your brain leaks out, right? You want to you want, you want change, you want, you want a little rub. You know, diamonds aren't made because everyone's sweet and nice. Diamonds are made in a little bit of conflict. And I don't mean violent conflict, but I mean an understanding conflict in, in a disagreement. I love some of my best friends in the world, Reese Lemon, one of them. Man, Reese would hang on a cross, a little bit of hyperbole, Hank, because he used to be a pastor, hang on a cross for Bernie Sanders. He loves him some burn dog, man. I mean, he is like, I'm Bernie till I die. I don't agree with Reese on a lot of things social that he does. However, we are really good friends and we can talk about this or nothing and have a great conversation. Why? Because we got a good education, A, and B, we just, we're not in it to get offended. We're not in it to prove one right or wrong. That's, that's, I think that's actually more pivotal is that you have that love and that foundation of friendship than, um, and I'm not trying to be argumentative, no, I'm debate mood, uh, this, this education thing, you very heavily leaning upon that. And there are so many people in the world, not just in this country that have many skills, myriad skills, myriad talents, maybe physically or mentally or emotionally, but they're not suited for higher education. And there, I know many people that have barely a high school degree that earn more than I did. And so, and, and not, and actually I know smarter people than me that didn't have higher education. And so I feel like with hiring, and I've talked about some, I have a, my ex-boyfriend who I'm very close with, he's my best friend, he's probably going to show up in a minute, he's lending me a printer, uh, so there might be some barking, but he's libertarian too, and we talk a lot about this education um, problem, 
when I came here, everyone's like high school, college, high school, college, high school, college. And I was like, what about the ones that are really smart, but like don't fit in that box. And I think there are so many people that, well, we need in the world. We need in the world. Like why would somebody who wants to be an artist who already has the talent or is just like innately fucking talented, why would they go and spend four years and a hundred thousand dollars or $200,000 in an institution when all they need to do is have the space and the time to create their talent or somebody that is the Jesse James of hot rods mm-hmm. college isn't going to do any good for him, but he's a fucking multimillionaire. Um, so I think education is huge, but also direct sorry, I just almost kicked my computer over, like the direction of what what do you need? Like, let's have more counseling, more assistance to make those decisions. Like, are you going to fit in this box? Like, maybe you just actually need to go and travel for a year and you'll come back and you say, I want to be an art collector. What is it that but you You don't want? see that as education? See, I what? see that as education. I Sorry, I missed that. What? I see all of what you're saying as education. Oh, okay. Yeah, then I'm then I'm, I'm totally with you. Like I feel like there's a there's a there's a period of time in a youngster's life. There's there's sometimes one choice being hit. You go into university and that's it. You know, you're gonna do this four years and then you do grad school, whatever. But yeah, you're right. Maybe in high school there's more like, hey, there is this, there is that, there is the other, there's the other other. Then the other, 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 look at all of these things. And yeah, you're right. No, I agree. Yeah, then I totally agree with you on that. I just think, um, and sometimes kids are just pushed to go to that. And then the kids that maybe they don't have the finances or the parental support, or they're looking after a sibling, how the fuck are they going to do that? But maybe there's a grant or a scheme that they could get into and do that while they work and help their family and then do something that's practical for them even if it's like barbershop school i know plenty of hairdressers that make more fucking money than me i was i i, I heard somebody say this and i loved it they said i'm pissed at my fifth grade teacher because my fifth grade teacher they said if i don't get an education i'm going to be the garbage man and that bitch never told me that the garbage man makes 10 times more than she does <laughs> <laughs> right there's so much perspective and nuance that goes into like you said education and I'm sorry I kind of missed where you were going with that but yeah it's true like let's let's give kids the education to see what's out there where they can go what they can do how valuable everybody is yeah I mean we have a neighbor a neighbor friend of mine who likes robots his dad was telling me about it. Like, oh, my buddy. My I'm buddy, kidding. <laughs> he, runs, he has a robot company. He's the CEO of a robotics company. Do an interview with him. And the kid's like, huh? I'm like, call him. He's like, when? I'm like, I'll set everything up. You guys do your Zoom call. I'm just going to sit back and listen. Yes. And he prepared. He, like, he looked him up. He did notes. He had questions. That to me is, is, is education, right? Because... Yes. That you're not going to get that at school. I don't think school is education. I think school is structure, and I don't like it. I don't like a model that I'm was. I'm glad you said that. this whole time. I'm just keep hearing education, education, education. I'm like, wow, Jason. I don't even know you. I know, right? I'm a little crazy person. <laughs> but, but if you look at it, if you look at no, it, like 
Henry Ford and others created the system that we have today so that you could be a factory owner. So you, you, I know you can sit still for eight hours. I know you can't because I've trained you to sit still for eight hours. Wrong. Wrong. School wrong. system, work day, fuck that shit. Yep. Break it all up. It's wrong. It's wrong. And wrong. we, and so, but the idea of, man, sitting down with someone and talking with them, oh, you want to be uh, like this one kid we were talking to him. He's like, I might want to be a plumber or electrician one day. I said, man, to your vocational school, and then whether you join a union or not, or whatever state you're in, the licensing, it's pretty intense. But if you want to do it, I have some friends. I'll make a phone call. You can intern with them this summer. And his dad's like, why would you do that? I go, because if the kid wants to do that, let the kid do it. But also watch, like learn from a, learn from a professional. It's like, it's like cooking or anything else. You want to cook? Great. Go to a kitchen. See how people do it. See the difference you know, between chopped, a restaurant, and your home. Mm-hmm. Explore, have fun, fail. That's the other thing. Man, everyone, fail. everyone wants to be right. I love being wrong. I love being told when I'm wrong. I like the idea of figuring out, was I really wrong? Fuck, I was wrong. Well, guess what? Jason's going to say sorry. And I don't <laughs> care because it's good to be wrong. It's not good to repeat, repeat your mistakes, but it's good to be wrong. I mean, I was talking to this group and they're like, well, how do you manage a team? They're you know, doing this media interview and they're talking about teams. And I'm like, I put more value in someone that has made a mistake than someone that hasn't. And they're like, why? It's because they've learned and they've grown. And the person who hasn't grown doesn't do me any fucking good. I think you can think about it like a, like a sapling there are sometimes they sprout and it's going the wrong way and you, you know, you just cut it off. But from that little cut, the mistake, sometimes it branches out bigger and more beautiful and stronger than the other one that was there before. And it, it's, it's, it's the same with life. You know, you, you make, you were supposed to make those mistakes to go, well, fucking shit. I'm not going to do that again. It's true. It's true. I, you know, it's, we, um, uh, one of the last things that I know where we're, our movie's almost over here is they're, they're dancing away. So I have, I have two big, big questions for you that Look, I think. Leslie Sam's father is watching and he paid off Jeff. Jeff, Janie, but Jeff was like, fuck that shit. I love Janie. Oh, look, this is their dance, dance TV. D A N C E. Oh my God, I could do every dance to this. If only I ever found a man. Oh my God, ready? Somersault. Bam, on the stage. If only I could find a man like Jeff or Johnny from Dirty Dancing. I, uh, when I watched this, I remember this was one of the first times I saw him on TV and I saw the kid's excitement of seeing his sister on TV. And I was like, man, I, want to do, I just want to do cool shit. Like I want to do something like that. Oh, my kid. I could see. Hey, BB, I'm sitting here with my BB now. Oh, what is happening? Girl. So cute. The big- I, uh, I uh, don't get like ready often. I don't have a job. I'm not dating anyone. I go to. I get up in the morning. I take the dogs out. I do online meditation every day for an hour with my guide, which is incredible. Get at me at Demo Keith if you need help, like it's changed my life. Uh, and then I go to my workout group for an hour, outside workout, that fucking kicks my ass. Uh, 
dum-dums. And it's good. Good. It's a good day, right, Phoebe? It's good. Hey, qu question for you, Deb. When you were, when it, when it all said and done and, uh, and we're looking back on this world and I, I wonder, wow. deep. I wonder, I wonder from you, what is, what are, what's the moment in your life that you look back on and you're like, that's, that's the moment that made Deb. That's the moment that gave me the strength that I have to rescue animals, to stand up. Is there a moment? You know what? It probably started. Oh God. Like I told you, I've got two brothers, well, two brothers and two stepbrothers. But when I was little, I had just my, my real brothers. Mm -hmm. um, my stepbrother mean to me because we were like tweens when we were together. But watching any film where, um, I, I will say that I hate even to say this, but that's what they were called, cowboy and Indian films. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the fucking cowboys are killing all the Indians and they're fucking shooting the horses and they're just, I, I like, I didn't grow up here knowing, I didn't know history, but a cowboy and Indian film would come on and I would fucking cry. I would sit there and cry about the horses and the Native Americans being shot and killed like, like they were the bad guys. And this is me at like five or six. And so... I don't know. I think maybe it was like, we always had cats growing up. Um, and I was just always like this benefactor of animals. And if anybody or like the native Americans getting shot for fucking horse, I'm like, what do they do? This is their land. And I didn't know anything about it. I didn't grow up here. I don't know history. I just see this. Come on, Alfie. Come here. Come sit. I just see this thing going down and it's like to me in my brain inherently fucking wrong and um I that was probably it like that was the time when and also my little brother who was just a year younger than me he was kind of chunky and he got picked on for being fat so the boys that were mean to him I'd beat the fucking shit out of them in middle school yes so I just had this like I've been a social justice warrior for years and also feeling like the odd child out because I'm like the one girl with the two boys and having to like stand up to my brothers. And um, I think it just probably my youth in London watching television with my brothers and they're probably rooting for the Cowboys. And I'm like, fuck that shit. So <laughs> I think that was it. And that's why I literally, I don't know if you can see this, Jason, I know the listeners can't, but here's BB. Oh, She's snuggled up on my leg. She's got no pants on. And here's Fifi. He's over here. Oh, Harp Happy loves the Fifi. Happy Pito. He's got like 1,800 names and the cats are off somewhere. But yeah, I think I, I, no one's ever asked me that before, but my cat Sam, who my mum got when I was born. And uh, one day I was biking home from school, as, you know, kids used to do. Uh, I was 16 and I biked around the back alley to put my bike in the in the uh, shed. And I see my mum like fucking digging a hole. I'm like, what are you doing? She turns around, she's just fucking like, like blaring. And I was like, 
me too that was my cat sam she was 16 and i'd grown up with her and i think that was just i think that her my mum's love for animals my love for animals and then just the fucking native americans getting shot indiscriminately by cowboys i'm like fuck that shit so yeah i'm like a bully for social justice there's any um outreach groups or uh special justice games that just want like a random white chick who's angry about a lot in the world um get at me i don't have a job <laughs> uh i would say it's, it's much more than that coming from you uh you know fi final question debs is yeah. in all of this and everything that's gone on in, in, in your life especially here in austin right you've had some amazing highs. Uh, you've had some hard days. I know the loss of blue was was a big, big impact to you. Um, you know, but you've always you've always kept a, a presence uh, of honesty and, and integrity. And I wonder, as my last question to you is, you know, for people who are have gone through a hard year, you know, and we're not everyone's pain is different, but you talked a little bit about meditation. What's an insight you can give people that at the end of the day, that you can wake up, look in the mirror, and this is something I, I challenge a lot of people with, and I challenge my daughter with, and I never thought it would be hard, and it's hard. Mm. What is it that as you get up in the day, look in the mirror, look at you, good, bad, and different, and say, I love you? What's, uh, what's the advice you can give the people out there that- oh, They're having a hard time feeling yeah that um i have a hard time doing that so do i um i'm overweight right now i'm about 20 pounds overweight so uh i find it very hard to look in the mirror and as a very historically active person um the last year or so has been really hard for me and so even though i've been active i've just i've not been happy so um i would say actually don't look in the mirror you don't have to look in the mirror. Instead of looking in the mirror, um, this sounds really dumb, go outside. Uh, if you have pets, like the, I love my dogs, but they're not blue boy. And he was the best medicine for me to go for a walk, to go by the creek, to go by the woods. Uh, just, he was always right there. These, this girl, she pulls, he wants to eat the other one's leash. <laughs> It drives me nuts, but I still take them and I'll at least take them to places where I can put them off leash. But it's also good for me to be outside, be in nature, like every morning, if you can get up and just be outside. Um, also, it's been proven, um, just open up your skin as much as you can. Most of your arms and legs every day for 15, 20 minutes. Doesn't, you don't obviously don't want it to be super hot, but like no sunscreen, just get out there and get in the sun that vitamin d will really really help um like i said i don't look in the mirror too much but um i try and do best by others i also fucking work hard at the gym and i understand a lot of people don't want to go to the gym right now but maybe you could just like do 20 walking lunges through your house or you know maybe some push-ups like all those things are very difficult if you're not feeling great. So if you're feeling okay, I think the things I just said are doable. If you're feeling bad, 
you're just not right. And I was there on Sunday. I, ugh, I went, to, this is really stupid. I haven't told anyone this. I went to get a manicure um, and I go to this place in the Arboretum they're just really good. And I drove up there. And as I'm driving up 180, driving up 183, I see like no cars at Costco. And I turn on breaker. There's no cars at HEB. And I turn into my manicurist and they're closed. And I was like, oh, fuck, it's Easter Sunday. Well, I don't have a family. My family's not religious in England. It's not like we call each other on Sunday and go, happy Easter. It's like, well, what does that mean? But usually I'm with friends or family or something, or like family friends here. And it just didn't work out that year. And... I'm driving home down 183 and I, I think of a song. And so I find it on my phone and I play it and uh, I shouldn't have done that. It was an album from 2006. I'd had a bad breakup. Blue Boy and I would go for these walks and I just went into this like depth of depression and uh, I was really fucking sad for the next day and a half. <sighs> I called my friends, I did, and nobody was around, like, it's Easter. And I got really, I got really worried, like, I was not feeling good, and I, I called my ex-boyfriend, who I'm friends with, and we talked for a while on the phone, and then I went to bed, and it was, I was fine, but, you know, don't do the things that put you back into those bad habits like that album is so good I'm not even gonna tell you what it is because it's sad it's a great breakup album but when you're sad and you're in that moment don't go there I talked to my mom yesterday and told her and she's like don't listen to that music so don't put yourself in positions where like it might be easier for you to slide off and be sad like just grab a dog and go for a walk or if you don't have a dog you know what? go to a dog park and walk around and get some snuffles on you or some licks or whatever, go outside. I'm, I'm no expert. I, I mean, I'm under, I have medication that I take, I'll say under medical supervision. I have a doctor, he gives me medicine, but I do therapy. I do um, Austin Meditation Center and that's an amazing place to go. I've learned so much about controlling and getting rid of these memories that make me sad so uh there's not one answer but um again get at me at Deborah keith on most places uh, i'm not an expert but i can give you my resources and i know jason can too he's a queen <laughs> i try you know i just uh i just i want common sense you know and, I, and sometimes the common sense works and sometimes you look at it and you're like you know what it was just common because everyone fucking said it and it makes no sense <laughs> Yeah, you have to find what works for you and it takes a time and it takes a moment and just, I, I just. It takes investing in yourself and you're doing yeah. it. And I, and I think that's the, the key point, right? Is that you're doing something and you're doing it. I I remember I had a friend who was, I was chatting with and he was, he was suffering with some depression and you know, he was like, man, I don't really think I look good and I don't like my style. There's a lot of things he didn't like about himself. Yeah. And I said, great. I said, strip down naked in front of the mirror. You grab that motherfucker and you scream, I love you to yourself. And I go, don't, don't do it because you believe it. Just do it because it's an action. And he's like, no, you know how weird that is? I go, yeah, I do know how weird it is because I've done it. And I know how uncomfortable it is to talk to yourself. But I have been in hotels, traveling for work, missing my kid, missing my wife. 
getting a phone call that you know a friend died and being just super depressed and being yeah. sad and alone and feeling like I don't want to burden my wife with my pain while she's working taking care of a dog taking care of a house taking care of a kid you know plus her life and everything that goes on like I don't, you know but I remember standing there going hey looking in the mirror hey yeah not perfect yeah we got we got some work to do champ this body is not what it was 10 years ago but look at you you motherfucker I love you I love you yeah this sucks go turn on some chopped or property brothers and watch those two assholes redo something but remember this I love you and in those moments is where I can look back and go man I can't love my kid any better if I can't love myself I can't love my friends any better if I can't love myself and if if I'm not willing to do this there's no way I'm telling anyone else to Right. I mean, that's what I respect about what you're saying is because you're talking about all the things you're doing. It's not like you're saying, hey, you guys should go exercise me. I don't. But I'm different. You're like, these are the things that I'm doing that are working for me. I've got the. Yeah, but I also acknowledge that that's not for everybody. Exactly. It's very hard for a lot of people. So I just say. Baby steps baby steps or reach out to somebody and say, I like, I like what you're doing. Even if it's a stranger, so many, like, I know, I don't know them personally, but I've seen like responses from social media or influencers who are like workout gurus. And I know they probably have thousands of DMS, but every now and then you, you reach out and you'll, or you'll resonate with somebody and they'll give you their story and they'll say, this is where I started. You don't have to jump into a big weight loss or, I'm going to therapy twice a week or whatever it is. There's, there's so many nuanced ways of starting things for different people. So I say, just remember you're a goddamn human being. You're an individual. There is not, there is not one person in the world like you good or bad. So everything that you're suffering or going through, yes, some other people have gone through that, but no one's ever gone through everything you've gone through. And you need to find the thing that works for you, the people, the group, the support, the therapy, the workout, the breathing, the walking, the whatever it is. And, and you know, it takes a while. But it's out there. It's true. Yeah. Wise words have not been spoken. Deb, it is always a pleasure to catch up and talk with you. I cannot wait for the day uh, when we can see you. Oh, we can be together. I know. I, one of the things... Um, I love that. I do miss a lot. Hugs. I miss hugs. Man. Listen, you're married. You're know, married. You have a baby. I just want hugs from a human. <laughs> I'll send my kid over. I'll send my kid over right away. She will hug, hug, hug you to death. Listen, if you all want, we're vaccinated. I'd say yes. I'm double vaccinated, by the way. So I love it. I love it. Well, we will. There's, you know, as things are opening up more and more and more opportunities are coming available. Uh, uh, we should all go grab lunch, bring the dogs, park, picnic, yes, play, have fun, and uh, more importantly, just you know, enjoy life and, and the world we have around us. And with that, folks, I like to close with this these days. This is my new favorite way to close before my kids think about the first time she took a shit by herself. <laughs> you can 
go to the store and buy bread. You can go to the store and buy bananas. You can go milk. You can go get those little assholes that they call avocados and hope that it's going to be ripe at the right time. And it never is. And then it's always bad. But the cool thing is you get to go do that again. You can go buy more avocados. You can never get time back. And the fact that no matter where you are in your life, personally and professionally, that, that you took two hours out of your day to spend it talking with me is, is not lost on me in any way. And it, it really does mean the world to me because I know how valuable time is and I know you do as well. And so to, to spend that time with me uh, means a lot. And I thank you very much for it. Thanks, Jason. Love you. Love you, Deb. We'll talk soon. Bye. Bye.